If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Actually, we're only looking at two verses this morning, verses 14 and 15 in the book of Philippians. Uh, we've been in the series called Thrive. We've been looking at, at what it takes to thrive in life instead of surviving or just getting through life. But what, is it, what does it mean to thrive? And what does it mean to thrive in every situation, every circumstance of life? And so today we're, we're talking about this subject. Or I've titled the message, uh, Be Quiet. In other words, we're going to deal with this issue of just complaining. We're going to deal with this issue of just complaining because complaining can be a habit to where we, we have that we really don't know we have. I mean, I've learned this just standing in lines at retail, retail stores. People do not mind waiting in line as long as you get to complain about it, right? Have you ever noticed that in a line and, 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 and then all of a sudden strangers start having a conversation about why don't they have more check, you know, why don't they have more checkout lines opened and I can't believe they didn't know we're all coming and all these other things. Uh, and so people just complain. And so uh, you may complain about people in traffic, about how someone else drives or how they don't drive or how they text and drive and all that other stuff. Like that even helps, right? I mean, have you ever complained about someone and they're driving and all of a sudden they roll down the window and says, hey, my bad, <laughs> my bad, I won't do that anymore. I mean, it just doesn't work, right? And so when you look at this issue of complaining, you realize that complaining is like a killjoy. Complaining in your life and complaining in my life will, will either make you unhappy, well, it will make you unhappy, and it makes the people around you unhappy. See, the problem with complaining, well, there's a couple of problems. One is it's a hard habit to break. The other one is sometimes it's really hard for us to see in our life. In other words, it's easier for us to see it in everybody else's life, and sometimes it's really difficult for us to see it in, in our life. And so we tend to be naturally negative people because, because of the fall, because of the flesh, because of the sin nature. You see that in Adam and Eve right after the fall. And so you, you see that, and so we tend to be negative, complaining people. Sometimes we look, or a lot of times we look at the bad instead of the good. But we're also conditioned by society. Because a lot of times all the news and all the posts that we see a lot of times focuses on the bad instead of the good. And so many times we complain and sometimes we don't even realize it. Whether we complain because of our conditioning by society or by our sin nature, the flesh, that we develop a habit of complaining. Now Paul begins talking about this issue of complaining. And so when I use the phrase and when I say be quiet, it's not really telling someone else to be quiet. But sometimes we just need to tell ourselves, right? Sometimes we just need to recognize it in ourselves. And so here's what Paul says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Here's what he says about this subject. He, he says these things. He says, do all things. And in my Bible, that all things is like, that's really important to me because that's, that's like everything, right? So do all things without grumbling. That's where we get the English word, the word complaining. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Verse 15 that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine like, like you shine as lights in the world. In other words, what Paul says is issue of complaining has to do with your testimony. In other words, the things that you say, the things that I say, if you, listen, if you want to stand out in this community, if you want to stand out in this culture, be a positive person. There's so many negative people around you. There's so many complaining people around you. And so, so I started asking myself when I started writing the sermon, what does God's word say about complaining? How much does God say, have to say about this issue of complaining? I mean, we know what Paul says. Paul says just don't do it. But what is the Bible, what, what, in, in the whole counsel of God's word, what does it say? 
And then I asked myself this question. I asked myself, how about these giants of Scripture? Uh, the, the people that we look up to, that we read a lot of the things that they've written in Scripture, did they have this issue? Did they have this problem? What was it like in their life? So, so I went on this journey, uh, who I, which I've really found fascinating. I hope you find it fascinating as well, is I took some of these guys and just looked at their life and see where they stood or, or the problems they had in this area. So I looked at David. And I started looking at King David's life. I started looking at David's life. And you know what? After I read all the scriptures about David, I just got to tell you, David was a whiner. I mean, David whines a lot. I mean, you know this. There, there are just some people. There are positive people and negative people, right? I mean, there's some people that, you know, they wake up and it's like rise and shine. There's another group of people, negative people, they just wake up and say, rise and whine. And they can always find something to whine about. They can always find something. David was a little bit like that. Look at this in the Psalms. Here's what he writes in Psalm 73, 13 and 14. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. Seriously? In other words, David's favorite, favorite, favorite phrase would be something like, life's not fair, it's just not fair. I don't deserve this. Everybody else gets blessed but me. Everybody else gets a break but me. And so David, you just find this. I mean, David winded himself all the way through the Psalms. Jesus was talking to a group of people that, that worked for a guy in a corporation. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 11, here's what Jesus said about them. He, in, in this story, he says, on receiving it, in other words, their pay, on receiving it, they grumbled or complained at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, in other words, those of us that worked eight hours, a full day, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Ever noticed how someone at work or maybe someone you work with or maybe you always complaining always complaining about wages and income and benefits and 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 management and bosses and supervisors listen let me tell you something life life is not fair don't expect it to be fair fact is god never said life would be fair god said heaven is fair heaven will be fair fact is god said that he will settle all scores with heaven and 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 hell and so when you look at this issue of complaining you realize complaining doesn't work right Complaining never changes the situation. Here's what I've learned in my life about this issue of complaining. Complaining never changes the situation or takes away the pain. Complaining has never taken away the hurt or the pain in my life. Fact is, a lot of times it's done the opposite. A lot of times it's highlighted the pain. It's highlighted the situation in my life. So, so we've looked at David, and then I thought, well, what about Moses? I mean, we talk a lot about Moses. What about Moses? And so I read all the scriptures about Moses. Let me tell you, Moses was a martyr. I mean, Moses had like this martyr's complex. In other words, Moses' favorite phrase would be this, no one ever appreciates me. No one appreciates me. Nobody, nobody appreciates all that I do. Watch this, Numbers chapter 11, verse 11. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt dealt ill with your servant and why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me I mean you really need to read this with a whiny voice right <laughs> did I conceive all this people did I give them birth that you should say to me carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers 
Where am I to get meat to give to all this people? For they weep before me and say, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. This burden, this burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. Just kill me. If you love me, just kill me now. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. In other words, these types of people, they're pros at throwing pity parties. When this type of person, when they're sick, when they're stressed, when they're under pressure, things aren't going their way, they want to make sure everybody's aware of it, right? They want to make sure everybody's aware of what they're going through. And so I decided, you know what, let's look at Solomon. Let's just look at Solomon's life. I mean, Solomon was said to be the the wisest man of their time, maybe the wisest man in the history of the world. And so I just started reading everything I could find on Solomon in Scripture. And Solomon was a cynic. I mean, Solomon had come to the place in life that he was just cynical about life. He was cynical about the world. In fact, is this person, the cynic, will say, nothing will ever change. Doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter what I say. They're just cynical and say, you know what? Nothing's ever going to change. Here's what Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2. He says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. And you drop down to verse 9 and he says this. What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. In other words, this person would say it doesn't matter. doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how kind I am. doesn't matter if I'm a good person. It doesn't matter all that effort. You know what? This situation is. I'm just cynical. It's just not going to change. I mean, let me just tell you something. In my experience, because listen, if we're honest, we all deal with this, right? So a lot of times it's so much easier to point out people and say they're complainers, I'm not. But I've just read through the history of some of these men that were giants in Scripture. We all deal with this. Nothing, listen, nothing destroys the warmth. Nothing destroys the warmth of a home, an office, a school, relationships more than complaining. In other words, nagging never works. Nagging just just makes you upset and them upset, but it really doesn't change anything. And so I, I just I just want to walk through these these couple of scriptures with you, and I, I just want to help you. I just want you to help you learn how just to, to be quiet in this area. Not tell anyone else to be quiet. Just come to the part, part, part where you know what? I can't control anyone else. I cannot control what anybody else says. I cannot control anyone, what else, anyone else does. I just can control my words and, and what I say. So I want to give you four things. The verse again, Philippians 2.14 says this. Paul says, do everything, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So I just want to give you four things of how to be quiet. Four things that we have to do to be quiet. The first one is this. We have to learn to accept responsibility for, for our actions. You have to learn to accept responsibility for your actions. We have to come to the place to where we don't excuse it away, to where we just accept the responsibility for our actions. Fact is, the scripture would tell us that's that's how we find freedom in every area. Just accept responsibilities, admit that it's a problem, not in other people, but in ourselves. Here's what Proverbs 28, 13 says. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. One of the most difficult things, I believe, or one of the most difficult parts of learning how to handle complaining is learning it 
learning it in yourself. It's so easy to point out about everyone else. If someone would record all of your conversations in a week, what would it, what would it reveal about you? What would it reveal about your words? How much time do we spend complaining or griping or grumbling or arguing or, or saying, you know what, life stinks? I mean, sometimes we just have to come to the place and admit it's a problem. I mean, I'll never forget, I was, uh, we moved around a lot as, as, a, as growing up in, in, in our home. And, and so we lived in Tyler, Texas. We moved to Tyler, Texas when I was in the fourth grade. And I lived in Tyler, Texas all the way from the fourth grade, and I really liked it there. And I, I lived there from the fourth grade all the way up to the, the, uh, the summer before my senior year. And so the, the summer after my junior year, completed junior year, year of high school, about ready to head into my senior year, I'd been there in elementary school, junior high, and then all the way through high school. And my mom and dad sat me down and says, hey, we've been transferred to Bay City, Texas. And that was a hard transition for me. I mean, I, I'd been in that high school. We're now moving to a small South Texas town of about 1,250 people, and that's if you count the cows and dogs and everything else. I don't even know how they, I don't even know how they came up with that number. And it was a society, and it was a, it was a small Texas town to where, I mean, I, I mean, everybody was like born there. Nobody ever moved in there, and they lived there all of their life. And, and I'm like the new kid, and I'm trying to break in to that. And I remember going through my senior year and talking about how much life stinks and I hated it and, and everything else. But you know, as, as I'm older and I look back on that, I realize that I missed a wonderful opportunity. There were some people that really tried to be my friend. There were some people that really tried to accept me. But I was so convinced, you know what, life stinks. It's horrible. It's unfair. I missed a wonderful time. What could have been a wonderful time for me and my family in that period. Listen, this issue of complaining, I mean, at the root issue, it's not just a bad habit. I mean, this issue of complaining, what Scripture would talk about, it, it, it's, it's a sad, and we need to see it as that. We need to confess it. We need to see it serious. I mean, just when you look at the story of the Israelites, you look at the children of Israel, Israelites, the thing that kept them out of the promised land was this issue of complaining, this issue of grumbling. I mean, seven times in Scripture it says that they murmured. They murmured against the Lord. They murmured against the Lord. And so when you look at one of the reasons why the children of Israel never got into the promised land is because this issue of complaining. Could it be one of the things that keeps us from thriving in marriage, in relationships, in school, in business, in church, in community, is this issue of complaining? Do we always point out the bad instead of the good? We always look at what is what could be better, what could be different, and all of those other things, and we need to come to the place. Because what Paul says, remember, Paul is writing to Christians, and he's writing to the church. And he said that this issue of complaining is so serious because it's part of your testimony. In other words, Paul would say that a complaining Christian is just a bad, a bad witness because, because we, we have the promises of heaven. We have the promises of God. And so we need to come to the place where we confess it and, and not conceal it. Because many times when, I, when, when you look at this issue of complaining, a lot of times it's us trying to get the attention away from ourselves, maybe a problem that we created. I mean, a lot of times it's to, to try to excuse our behavior and focus on someone else's behavior. In other words, listen, if I cause the problem, I have no reason to complain. I mean, if the problem that I'm going through is because of consequences of my actions, I have no reason to complain. And a lot of times we like to excuse it or we like to pass the buck so that we just kind of feel better about ourselves. 
Proverbs 19.13 says, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, in other words, the consequences of his action, his heart rages against the Lord. In other words, we, we, we can bring problems into our life and then we complain, and then we, like, blame the Lord. And, and I, I, I had a coach I had a, uh, the, the, used to say, don't complain how the ball bounces when you're the one that dropped it. I mean, you have to come to the place, and you have to understand that, you know what, if, if this is a result, I, I absolutely have no reason to complain. And many times complaining is just an excuse not to accept the fact that I, I caused the situation. I mean, Jesus talked about this. Jesus, Jesus talked about the law of sowing and reaping. That, 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 that what you sow, that you'll reap. I mean, in other words, if you're reaping the results of some of your actions, you have no reason to, to complain. I mean, this is such a powerful principle about just sowing and reaping. Because here's what I've learned about sowing and reaping. If you sow complaining you'll reap complaining back. You sow criticism, you'll reap criticism back. I mean, they may not say it verbally, but they're watching your every move. I mean, this, this, is such a pow Listen, this is just such a powerful principle for us to understand. But once we've made the decision that we're just going to break free of this, we've got to first admit that it's a problem in, in our life. I mean, I've watched this so many times in life to where people will complain about some of the consequences in their life that really they caused. I mean, I've listened to people, maybe you have, that have complained about debt. And I cannot believe I'm under this debt. And this is ridiculous the amount of debt that we're under. And then in the conversation, then they'll say, you know what? Uh, we've just been out of control with our spending. We bought some things that we couldn't afford. We put too much on credit cards. And all of a sudden now they're talking about their, their consequences. I mean, in life, you find that you have accusers and excusers. Um, in, in the garden, the fall, accusers, it, Adam, it, you know, he said, it wasn't my fault. It, it, was, it was her fault. It was my wife's fault. He actually blamed God, right? It's because of the woman that you gave me. If you had not have given me this wife, then this would have never happened. And so, so there's accusers, and there's always those that are trying to deflect the blame and say it's someone else's fault, it's not my fault, always accusing others. But then there's, there's excusers. And there's excusers that say, you know what, I'm just a product of my family. I'm a product of my uh, environment. This is the way that I was raised. This is why I was raised in the home. This just comes natural to me. And so we have to come to the place to where we're not accusers and we're not excusers, to where we're willing to accept just the responsibility for the words that, that we use. The second thing is this, if we're going to learn to be quiet, the second thing is this, we have to learn to be grateful. We have to come to the place and just learn to be grateful for the things that God has done in our life, the things that God is doing in our life. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, says give thanks, and, and here we go again with that word all. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, it doesn't say to be thankful for the circumstances. Don't be thankful for the situation. But he did say learn. Learn to come to the place. Learn to be grateful. Learn to be able just to thank God, not for the circumstances, but in the circumstances. And In other words, learn to be grateful for what I have. I mean, it's our choice, and we've been talking about this a lot in this Thrive series, that we all have a choice. And we all have choices to make. And so it's our choice. I mean, how about the question, is the glass half empty or half full? It depends on perspective. It depends on how you look at it. And why is it that a lot of times 
we do not really value what we have until we lose it. Uh, it was kind of that way with Bay City, Texas with me. That could have been a one. I'm telling you, that could have been a wonderful time in my life. That could have been a wonderful senior year. And why is it that we don't value some things in our life until we lose them? And is there anything in your life that you're not satisfied with right now? Whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's what's in your business, whether it's habits with yourself, whether it's your mate, whether it's your children, it's your boss, your supervisor, what is there anything in your life right now you're not satisfied with? I am willing to bet we could ha- we could like have a have a conversation. And before it's all said and done, even in that situation, even in those circumstances, you could talk about some things. You know what? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful. There are some things I'm grateful for. Man, I am thankful I have a job. There are some people I know that they just wish they had a job. They're praying for a job. They don't have a job. I am, you know what? I'm really thankful for some of the people in my life and some of the things that they from see what what Paul is saying is this as Christians are different we should be different and we're, what what he would say is we do we do everything our Christian maturity is doing everything without grumbling and complaining this verse Philippians 4:13 Paul wrote this verse later later on in the letter this verse just gives me so much encouragement here's what he writes in Philippians 4:11 he said not that I am speaking of being in need for I have learned so he's talking about a learned behavior. And so if something is a learned behavior, that it, it can be learned, right? If you've learned a bad behavior, it can be unlearned. And so this is so encouraging to me. And so he says this. He says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. What's striking about this passage is Paul was in prison at the time. In other words, you know what Paul was saying? My situation, my circumstances will not determine whether I'm going to thrive. The situations that I'm walking through, the things that I'm... It is not going to... In other words, my circumstances, my situation is not going to have any control over me. It's not going to determine whether I thrive or not. And so when you learn to be happy, when you learn to be joyful, when you learn to thrive in spite of your circumstances, what Paul says, that's Christian maturity. See, when, when we complain, whether we realize it or not, and I think there's a lot of unwritten things that we're saying or unspoken things that we're saying when we're complaining. But when we're complaining, we're basically saying, God, you know what? You gave me a raw deal. I, God, I can do nothing with the circumstances that you dealt me. God, if, if I was God, I'd do a much better job. In other words, you, you did not give me what I needed to thrive or to be happy. So if we're, if we're going to learn to be quiet, we have to learn to take responsibility for our words. We have to learn to be grateful. And the third thing is this. We have to learn to see God, God in our circumstances. We have to learn to see God in the midst of our circumstances and when, for us to come to that place to where we just learn to, to just to be quiet. If, if you want to get, if I want to get victory over complaining, then I have to look for God's hand in my circumstances. This is a powerful verse. It's another verse that Paul wrote. Paul wrote a lot about this issue of thriving and how to thrive. And he wrote this in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He said, For this light, momentary affliction, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, in other words, the world, 
but to the things that are unseen, the eternal. For the things that are seen are transient. In other words, this world, these problems that you're going through, the situation you're going through, it's temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Ed Young would put it this way. Ed Young, in fact, is, has said this, and I'm quoting Ed Young. Ed Young would say the problem with most Christians is this, is they, they get things confused. And he says, I just want to remind you that this world is not a destination. It is a starting point. And a lot of us, we get this wrong, and a lot of us, we think, and I think that's why it feeds into our complaining so much that we think, you know what, this world is all there is. This world is our destination. Listen, let me tell you something. As a believer, the reason we're different, because we get it. We understand. Guess what? This world, this world is temporary. The problems, the circumstances that I'm walking through right now, temporary. And this world is not a destination. This world is a starting point, and it's a starting point when we know Christ into eternity. Listen, let me tell you something. Many times in this area of complaining, the battle is in your mind, right? And sometimes your worst battle is between you and what you feel. Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will tell you some false beliefs. And the worst battle that you and I can have and the worst battle that we can fight, especially when we're tired, especially when we're stressed, especially when we don't feel well and all those other things, and especially when we haven't had enough sleep, whatever it is. And the, the worst battle that you and I many times face is between you and what you feel. And when you really look at this, this issue of complaining, this issue of complaining is really rebellion against God. That's why God took it so serious with the children of Israel, with the Israelites. Because it's basically saying, God, if I was in control, man, if I was in control, things would be different. If I, if, if I was in charge, the human race would be much better. In other words, this issue of complaining is challenging God on three different areas. It's challenging God's wisdom. When we complain and when, when, when we, we go through all those emotions, man, we're questioning God's wisdom. God, do you really know what you're doing? God, do you do you not do you not see what's going on here? Is this is this really is this really best? Is this really wise? We're also questioning God's care. God, do you really love me? Do you really care about me? Do you really want what's best for me? The other thing we're forgetting, the other thing we're challenging, we're challenging God's goodness. Fact is we're forgetting God's goodness and God, are you are you really a good good father? You know what leads us into that? Focusing on what we don't have rather than focusing on what we do have. Learning, learning to be grateful. Learning to see God in your circumstances, in your situations. Yeah. What, I, what I'm learning in my life, a lot of times when I start to complain, begin to complain, it's a warning light in my life. It's a reflection. It's a warning light of something that's going on in my heart where maybe there's something that I, I need to change or maybe there's something I need to do or maybe I just need to be quiet. Man, the only way you change other people is by changing yourself. You, listen, all the complaining in the world is not going to In fact, it's going to make it worse. It's not going to change anybody. All the complaining in the world is not going to change the situation. It's not going to reduce your pain. It's not going to take away your pain. It's, it's going to heighten your pain. 
So to learn to be quiet, you have to take responsibility for the words that you use. You have to learn to be grateful. You have to try to see God's hand in every situation or circumstance. And the last thing is this, you have to develop a habit, which is so important. You have to develop a habit of speaking positively. You have to develop a habit because oftentimes complaining is a habit. And habits can only be broken by replacing that with something else. In other words, you take out the negative complaining and you replace it with, with positive speaking. Ephesians 4.29 says this. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for the building up. The NIV would render that and say for the building up of others as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. You know, the Bible talks, Jesus talked that one day we'll give an account for every idle word that we've ever said. And Paul is coming down and Paul is saying, don't let any junk come out of your mouth, but only which is for the building up, the encouraging of others. See, we have a decision to make. We can either, we can either build one another up or we can tear each other down. In other words, what Paul is saying is maybe something that your, your mama used to tell you. If you can't say anything good, say nothing at all, right? Just learn to be quiet. In other words, learn to replace criticism or complaints with compliments. I mean, this, this is a critical uh, success factor for parenting, right? Affirmation always gets better results than nagging because nagging doesn't work. I mean, Karen and I, we're like in, we're like in grandkid stage, and, and we're looking back over years of parenting, and, and, and then you just see that principle so strongly, and you just realize that when you give advice and advice hasn't been asked for and in relationships, it always comes across as criticism, right? Until we learn to affirm one another. We learn to encourage one another. Philippians 2, 4, 14 and 15, Paul gives us the results of complaining. Watch this. Or I'm sorry, the results when we don't complain. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. That could be a great description of the culture and the generation in which we live. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. In other words, he gave us three results. He said, if you'll do this, if, you, if you'll quit complaining, if you'll learn to be quiet, here are the results. The first one is this, that you may be blameless and innocent. Man, when you don't complain... Man, nobody can find fault with you. Nobody can point a finger at you. I mean, you, you reap what you sow. And if you complain, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna sow. You're, you're, if you sow complaining, you're going to reap complaining. And so he says, you don't build a culture of complaining. The second thing is this, the second phrase, he says, without blemish. That's just another way of saying having integrity in life. In other words, what Paul would say, non-complainers are people with deep integrity. In other words, they're not always complaining about people. They're not always tearing people down. They're not always picking out the bad instead of the good. And then he goes on and talks about the testimony. He says, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I mean, we live in a culture that is so negative, especially with the words that we use. You want to stick out like a sore thumb? Be a positive person. But all you have to do is look at the political process that's going on right now. All you have to do is look at social media, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, whether it's any social media platform, and you realize people say all kinds of horrible, hateful, mean, negative things. We live in a generation, we live in a time that is getting darker and darker. And what Paul is saying this, Paul is saying the words that you and I say is a part of your testimony. 
And Paul is saying, guess what, Christians, we're supposed to be different because we understand this world is not our destination. This world is a starting point. This isn't all there is for a Christian. And what Paul would say is a complaining Christian is a bad witness. And how do you impact the world? How do you impact people around you? And just learn to be positive. Wouldn't it be great if our church was known in town as a church where, you know what, that's where all the positive people go. I mean, here's the context of this. Paul is writing, don't miss this, Paul is writing to the local church. And he's talking about a local church should have love and it should have unity and it should have harmony. And where there is harmony and love and unity, a church will reach the community. He's telling the church, here's what he's telling the church, bottom line is what he's telling the church, that you cannot be a complaining church, complaining about each other and expecting to reach your community that you're different. This verse is talking about the life and the character of a believer. What would happen? What would happen at your company if all complaining ended? What would happen in your home? What would happen in your relationships? What would happen in your marriage if there was no longer complaining and tearing one another down? kids, what would happen in your family if all of a sudden you just stopped complaining? You just learn to be grateful and thankful for what you have. Paul would say this. It's a part of our testimony. The words that we say. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me, let me just ask you a question. What is God saying to you what is God saying to you as a result of this message? More importantly, maybe what is, what is your next step? Because every one of us has a next step. And maybe your next step is a first step, and maybe you need to come to the place where you just accept Christ in your life and say, you know what, I just need to become a Christian. I just want to be a Christ follower. There's no magic prayer. It's just a conversation between you and the Lord to where you just tell Him, Lord, please forgive me of my sins, and I just ask that you give me the gift of eternal life. And I just, want to, I just want to be a Christ follower. I just want to understand that, guess what? This world, this world is not a destination before the believer. The destination is heaven. The destination is eternal life. And I just want that. Maybe this morning, you know what? You're a believer. What is your next step? Do you need to learn to be quiet? Do you need to learn to be quiet into some situations to where you and I just understand that, you know what? It's not going to change the situation. We learn to be grateful for the people that God has placed in our life. Just to be thankful for what we have. And that we're known for grateful people, as grateful people. Maybe this morning you'd say, you know what, I, I just need prayer. I'm carrying this burden. I got this prayer request. I got this need. Well, you're in a great place. Because the Bible says that we're supposed to encourage one another, pray for one another, intercede for one another. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, we want to pray for you. So in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand, if you're carrying a burden, if you need prayer for any area of your life, and you don't need to be embarrassed by that, every one of us in this room, we need prayer. And if God has made it clear to you, and I believe He already has, by placing a burden 
in your heart that you need prayer, then I'm just going to ask that you respond to that. And so just in a few minutes after I pray and we stand, if you need prayer in any area of your life, it can be for you personally. You know what? You may want to pray for someone else. And that's okay too. Then I'm just going to invite you that after I pray and we stand, that if you need prayer in any area, as you stand up, would you step out? Begin making your way down to the front, whether it's in the worship center or over in the theater. Uh, we respond the same way in, in, in both areas. But that you would respond to him and you respond to him in prayer. So if you need prayer, after I pray and we stand, you come. Father, we thank you for today. And Father, we thank you for your love. We just thank you for your grace. And Father, may we learn just to be grateful people for what you've done in our life. And Father, I just ask that you just, you pull this church very closely to you. And that people would be willing just to respond to you in prayer. And as your word teaches, that as they meet with you, that they'd find encouragement, that find comfort, and that find support. Father, we thank you for the just the many answered prayers in this room when people have, have prayed for one another. And so, Father, we just look for you, forward to what you're going to do. We just look forward to see how you're going to answer these prayers and meet the needs of your people, of your children. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you that we can make our requests known to you and you respond to them. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.